ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد ستريدن ران ذا سكشن which talks about the congregational prayer the congregational prayer bab fi wujub salat al jamaah wa fadliha the chapter regarding the obligation of the obliga- the uh, congregational prayer and the virtues of it the sheikh says sha'ira azima min sha'ir al islam this is one of the great signposts of Islam, one of the great open outward actions that uh, indicates Islam وَهِيَ صَلَاةُ الْجَمَاعَةِ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ and that is the obligatory prayers in the mosque فَقَدِ اتَّفَقَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ أَدَاءَ الصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ مِنْ أَوْكَدِ الطَّاعَاتِ وأعظم القربات بل وأعظم وأظهر شعائر الإسلام The Muslims are united upon the fact that the performance of the five obligatory prayers in the mosques is one of the most emphasized and important acts of worship and one of the greatest worships to seek closeness to Allah with. It is in fact the greatest of the outward types of actions of Islam. The outward actions of Islam, what it means is, things which personify Islam. You see a person praying in the street, straight away you know he is Muslim. That is an action that symbolizes Islam. فَقَدْ شَرَعَ اللَّهُ لِهَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ الْإِجْتِمَاعِ فِي أَوْقَاتٍ مَعْلُومَةِ Allah has made it legislated for this ummah to congregate at certain times. مِنْهَا مَا هُوَ فِي الْيَوْمِ وَالْلَيْلَةِ Some of these congregational times are in the day and some of them in the night. كَالصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ Like the five prayers. فَإِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ يَجْتَمِعُونَ لِأَدَائِهَا فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ كُلَّ يَوْمٍ وَلَيْلَةِ خَمْسَ مَرَّاتِ The Muslims get together to perform these prayers in the mosques every day and night five times. وَمِنْ هَذِهِ الْإِجْتِمَاعَاتِ مَا هُوَ فِي الْأُسْبُوعِ مَرَّةِ كَالْإِجْتِمَاعِ لِصَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ and some of these congregations, they only occur once a week, like the Jum'ah prayer. وَهُوَ اجْتِمَاعَ أَكْبَرْ مِنَ الْاجْتِمَاعَ لِلصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ And that is a congregation which is bigger than the normal five prayers. وَمِنْهَا اجْتِمَاعَ يَتَكَرَّرْ كُلَّ سَنَةٍ مَرَّتَيْنِ then there is a congregation that happens twice a year. What is that? 
رمضان توايس ايه تراويح توايس ايه عيد that's the one عيد prayer how many times a year two so عيد prayer happens twice a year وهو الاجتماع لصلاة العيدين وهو أكبر من الاجتماع لصلاة الجمعة and the Eid prayer is an even bigger gathering than the Jum'ah prayer. What does the Shaykh mean by this? Because normally, like for example in Saudi Arabia, all of the mosques which are there, not every single mosque does Jum'ah prayer. Some of the mosques, they do the five prayers every day, but no Jum'ah on Friday. Because in one area, in one area there are maybe five mosques. One here, cross the road, one over there, on 3D center, one over there, everywhere. So they don't all do Jumu'ah. Only the big one in that area will do the Jumu'ah. Normal prayers, five prayers, all of them. But the Jumu'ah, the small ones don't do it. So everybody gets together in the big one in the area. So the Jumu'ah ishtima' is bigger than the normal prayers in the mosques. In that area on that Friday. Then after that, the Eid prayer, it's not just the big mosque in the area, all of the mosques in that whole section, they come, like in Medina now, many of them, all of them, they go and pray, thousands of them, millions, I don't know the figures, all of them in Masjid Nabawi. So the congregation is even bigger. This is what the Shaykh means. وَهُوَ أَكْبَرُ مِنْ الْإِجْتِمَاعِ مِنَ الْإِجْتِمَاعِ لِصَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ بِحَيْثِ يُشْرَعُ فِيهِ إِجْتِمَاعِ أَهْلِ الْبَلَدِ وَمِنْهَا إِجْتِمَاعِ مَرَّ وَاحِدَةِ فِي السَّنَةِ إِجْتِمَاعِ مَرَّ وَاحِدَةِ فِي السَّنَةِ There is a congregation which happens only once a year. This one a bit tricky. ومنها اجتماع مرة واحدة في السنة وهو الاجتماع في الوقوف بعرفة. When all of the Muslims get together in Arafah the day before the Eid. That is a big gathering. You've seen the pictures, everybody in Arafah when all the Muslims are there. That is a big gathering. لأن نعم. وهو أكبر من اجتماع العيدين لأنه يشرع للمسلمين عموما في كل أقطار الأرض إن عرف all of the Muslims of the world come together for that congregation فعيد all of the Muslims of the city or the land they come together جمعة all the Muslims of that area come together five prayers all the Muslims of that locality to the mosque only so you see how the congregations get bigger and bigger and bigger in this order وَإِنَّمَا شُرِعَتْ هَذِهِ الْإِجْتِمَاعَاتِ الْعَظِيمَةِ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ لِأَجْلِ مَصَالِحِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ these congregations have been legislated in Islam for the benefit of the Muslims لِيَحْصُلَ التَّوَاصُلِ بَيْنَهُمْ so that uh, communication occurs between them and connection relationships between them they get to know each other 
All of these things, these are benefits from having these congregations with all the Muslims together. وَلِأَجْلِ التَّوَادُدِ وَالتَّحَابِبِ بَيْنَهُمْ فِي الْقُلُوبِ So that you have the love and the unity in the hearts. وَلِأَجْلِ أَنْ يَعْرِفَ بَعْضُهُمْ أَحْوَالَ بَعْضٍ And so that you become aware of what's going on with each other. Everybody comes together. If somebody in the community is in difficulty, five times a day you're together, you get a chance to talk to each other after the prayers. You find out what's happening. If somebody's in trouble or needs some help, you find out. So there are great benefits for all these congregations that occur. فَيَقُومُونَ بِعِيَادَةِ الْمَرْضَى By coming together five times a day, you may find out that somebody in the community is ill. One of the attendees tells you afterwards such and such is ill. So you go and visit that person. وَتَشِيعَ الْمُتَوَثَّى Maybe somebody tells you somebody has died, the janaza is today. So the news comes to you and you all go. وَإِغَاثَةُ الْمَلْهُوفِينَ وَلِأَجْلِ إِظْهَارْ قُوَّةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَتَعَارُفِهِمْ وَتَلَاحُمِهِمْ فَيَغِيظُونَ بِذَلِكَ أَعْدَاءَهُمْ مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ وَالْمُنَافِقِينَ وَلِأَجْلِ إِزَالَةِ مَا يَنْسُجُهُ بَيْنَهُمْ شَيَاطِينُ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ مِنَ الْعَدَاوَةِ وَالتَّقَاطِعِ وَالْأَحْقَادِ So this congregation of the Muslims when they get together it brings love and it removes any hatred or enmity or any type of bad feeling to one another because you come together for the prayer, you come together for this worship, you stand side by side praying, then this is something which brings about goodness. فَيَحْصُلُ الْإِئْتِلَافِ وَالِاجْتِمَاعِ الْقُلُوبِ عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى And that's why when you get together, it brings about unity and connection of the hearts, and upon righteousness and piety. وَلِهَذَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ لَا تَخْتَلِفُوا فَتَخْتَلِفَ قُلُوبُكُمْ Don't be separated. In the rows when you stand, stand in line together. Don't be separated. Lest your hearts become separated. Don't be separated lest your hearts become separated. Also from the benefits of getting together and praying is that in the congregation you may notice one of the attendees doesn't know how to pray properly. So maybe then you can educate that person. Whereas if he stayed at home all day, then nobody would ever realize he's praying wrong. He would never realize he's praying wrong. So coming to congregation, you can educate the one who is ignorant. وَمُضَاعَفَةُ الْأَجْرِ وَالنَّشَاطِ عَلَى الْعَمَلِ الصَّالِحِ عِنَّمَا يُشَاهِدْ يُشَاهِدُ الْمُسْلِمِ إِخْوَانَهُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ يُزَاوِلُونَ الْعَمَالَ الصَّالِحَةِ فَيَقْتَدِي بِهِمْ Also when you get together and you are encouraged by one another. A person comes to the jama'ah, prays along with the Muslims. You see everybody together in worship. It is a means of encouraging you. Encouraging one another to do that good. وفي الحديث المتفق عليه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وفي رواية So in the narration it says صلاة الجماعة تفضل على صلاة الفذ بسبع وعشرين درجة 
that the congregational prayer, it is better than the solitary prayer, when you pray by yourself, by 27 times more. Praying in the congregation is superior, better by 27 times more. And in one narration it says, by 25 times more. فَصَلَاةُ الْجَمَاعَةِ فَرْضٌ عَلَى الرِّجَالِ فِي الْحَضَرِ وَالسَّفَرِ The congregational prayer, it is an obligation upon the men, whether you are in residence or whether you are traveling. وَفِي حَالِ الْأَمَانِ وَحَالِ الْخَوْفِ And whether you are in a state of security or in a state of fear. وَوُجُوبًا عَيْنِيًّا an obligation upon every individual specifically. وَالدَّلِيلُ عَلَى ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ وَالسُنَّةُ وَعَمَلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ قَرْنًا بَعْدَ قَرْنًا خَلَفًا عَنْ سَلَفٍ And the evidence for that is the fact that it is in the Qur'an, in the Sunnah, and the Muslims have done this generation after generation from the Salaf onwards. وَمِنْ أَجْلِ ذَلِكَ and because of that, because of this congregational prayer and everybody coming together and these masajid are built and the imams are established, imams are fixed in these masajid so that they lead those prayers and the adhan is legislated in order to call the people to the prayer. All of these things are legislated in the adhan, hayya ala salah. Come to the prayer, hasten to the prayer, hasten to success. Then there are some evidences about the fear, etc. Also, then it says, وَفِي الْحَدِيثِ الْمُتَّفَقِ عَلَيْهِ عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قال رجلا In this hadith it mentions أثقل الصلاة على المنافقين صلاة العشاء وصلاة الفجر وَلَوْ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا فِيهِمَا لَأَتَوْهُمَا وَلَوْ حَبْوَا The most burdensome prayer upon the munafiqeen. The most burdensome prayer, the most difficult prayer for them, for the munafiqeen, is Salatul Isha and Salatul Fajr. Because they are the ones at the time when people want to relax. Isha, late at night, you don't want to come out, you want to relax now, end of the day. Fajr, early in the morning, you don't want to get up yet, you want to relax. So Isha and Fajr, they are the two prayers that they are most difficult and most burdensome upon those munafiqeen. وَلَوْ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا فِيهِمَا And if they knew the virtues of them, لَأَتَوْهُمَا وَلَوْ حَبْوَا they would have come even if it was crawling. They would come to the prayers even if it was crawling. To show the great virtue, they would have done that. To not miss out on that great virtue. 
And then in the next part, and this is one of the evidences the scholars they used to say that the Salatul Jama'ah is obligatory. The hadith where the Prophet said that when the congregational prayer is established, those who do not come, then the Prophet said it is as if I thought to go and burn their houses because they did not come to the congregational prayer. وجه الاستدلال من الحديث على وجوب صلاة الجماعة من ناحيتين الناحية الأولى أنه وصف المتخلفين عنها بالنفاق والمتخلف عن السنة لا يعد منافقا فدل على أنهم تخلفوا عن واجب The ones who stayed behind and they didn't come they were attributed with hypocrisy منافقين نفاق they were attributed, it was mentioned that they have hypocrisy. Normally, if you leave a sunnah act, that doesn't give you hypocrisy. So this means leaving the prayer cannot just be a sunnah act in congregation, it must be an obligatory act in congregation for you to be termed as a hypocrite if you leave it. The second أنه صلى الله عليه وسلم هم بعقوبتهم على التخلف عنها والعقوبة إنما تكون على ترك واجب The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was thinking about this punishment upon them A punishment does it occur if you leave a sunnah Leaving a sunnah, sunnah there isn't punishment but the punishment is if you leave a wajib so this again indicates that it must have been a wajib. وفي صحيح مسلم أن رجلا أعمى قال علي. So in this narration in Sahih Muslim, in Sahih Muslim, that a blind man came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. A blind man came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and said. O Messenger of Allah, I don't have a guide who can bring me to the mosque. Obviously he lived at a slight distance from the mosque, not far, but a slight distance from the mosque. And he said, I don't have anybody to guide me up to the mosque, blind man. So he said to the Prophet am I excused? Am I allowed to just pray at home? Because I don't have a guide to get me to the mosque. So is it allowed for me? Can you give me permission to just pray at home? So the Prophet said, okay. In that situation, then okay. But then, when the man was leaving, the Prophet called him and said to him, but wait, can you hear the adhan? The Prophet then said to the blind man, can you hear the adhan though? The man said, yes. From where he lived, he could actually hear the adhan from the mosque. It wasn't that far. He could hear the adhan. So then the Prophet said to him, in that case, answer the adhan. Meaning, come to the mosque then. Answer the adhan and come to the mosque. Meaning, even with that difficulty, even with that difficulty of navigating through the streets with a stick, etc., it's a bit difficult, but if you can hear the adhan, 
and you're in that proximity, then come. Even with that difficulty, make the effort and come. So this indicates how the virtue and the obligation of the congregational prayer is, that even the blind man was told, if you can hear the adhan and you're in that proximity, make the effort. Even with the difficulty, make the effort and just come. Blind man. So what about the rest? Mm. So some people they say, where I live, I cannot hear the adhan. So I don't have to go to the masjid. So what do you say? Look, the Prophet said, هَلْ تَسْمَعُ النِّدَاءِ قَالَ نَعَمْ قَالَ فَأَجِبْ The Prophet said, do you hear the adhan? He said, yes. The Prophet said, in that case, come to the mosque. Meaning, if he had said, no, I can't hear the adhan, then the Prophet would have said, okay, in that case, you don't have to come. So some people say now, if I live somewhere where I can't hear the adhan, then I don't have to come to the mosque. So what do you say? You answering the question? Yes, Aluhu, you said Huh? Change your house and live close to the mosque. MashaAllah. Excellent. Get some houses near the mosque. Huh? And then you can pray when he gets there. Okay? Use the maps, the timetable you mean now for the times. Google Maps to find the masjid. Uh huh. So the skull. Uh, go on, one last one. Uh huh. How old are you? How do you know about apps? So you have to do apps, huh? Huh? ICT or, mashallah, now it's seven years old, ICT, you do what? Apps, huh? You know, when we were small, there was no apps. There was no mobile phones like this, nothing. People use the stones and make fire, huh? So, here, the sheikh says about the adhan. People say, if I can't hear the adhan, I don't have to go to the mosque. A sheikh al-Albani, he spoke about this. A sheikh al-Albani, he talked about this issue. In the olden days, when they used to make adhan, Man used to go up to some high kind of place. Obviously, the sunnah is to do adhan outside, not in the mosque. So they used to go outside just to maybe some high place and do the adhan. In the olden days, how far could the voice of the mu'adhin go? Imagine those days, no cars, no buses, no airplanes, no beeping, no noises, deserts. And when they did the adhan, how far could the voice go? How far? One mile, two miles, three miles, ten miles. 50 miles, 3 miles, 1 mile, how many miles, how far? If you go outside, do the adhan, how far can they hear you? 2 miles, 4.3 miles, okay, the, uh, 100 meters. One mile. The scholars, they say, in the olden times when they did the adhan in the open desert everywhere, up to four kilometers. Which is what? Uh, 2.8 miles or something? 2.8, I think, huh? 2, two something. 2.2, I think. 
two miles. Two miles around about. Their adhan could go two miles. You know, because of the desert and the mountains and the echoes and everything. Up to two miles it was possible. Four kilometers, they say. Three, four kilometers. The voice would just go in the echo, in the sun. Nothing else. No buses, no, no noise. So when they do the adhan, shout it loud, it goes. In the echoes of the valleys and everything, it goes. Up to three or four kilometers. Basically then the scholars, they say, if you're going to use the argument about here in the adhan, then you have to use it upon the default. Nowadays, there's no default. Now even the man with the biggest voice, you do adhan here, even to the end of the street, you can't hear him. Because cars going and beeping and everything, you can't hear nothing now. And because of the buildings the way they are. Now even the man with the biggest voice you shout, it will go nowhere because the cake factory is there. Your voice will not go past. So now Shaykh al-Albani said the way the buildings are, they stop your voice everywhere. Big buildings everywhere stop your voice and break the waves. In the olden days, flat, nothing, just houses, all empty space. Voice carries on and on and on, nothing stopping it. So now the Shaykh said, you can't use the example about I can't hear the Adhan. Because nowadays, you could be living 10 meters from the mosque and you won't hear the Adhan even if the man goes outside and does it. Because of cars and because of the way the, the buildings are and everything. You can't hear things these days, all of that infrastructure. So you have to base it upon the default. The default was in those days up to two miles almost. So if you live within two miles or so of the mosque, then you are supposed to come because that is normally where the Adhan could reach. Within a mile, two miles, the Adhan could reach there normally. That's where they used to reach up to. So within a mile, two miles, you have no excuse. You should get the app and find out what time the prayer is and go to the mosque. And don't say, but I can't hear the Adhan, so I don't go. So within a couple of miles, at least within a couple of miles, there is no excuse. If you're far, a few miles, ten miles, then you have excuse. Now the mosque is too far. But within one mile, two miles, even three miles these days here, in the vicinity, there's no problem. At the end. Remind me at the end. Then, in al-mutakhallif, عن صلاة الجماعة إذا لا وقد آه قال ابن مسعود قال عبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله عنه ولقد رأيتنا وما يتخلف عنها إلا منافق معلوم النفاق ولقد كان الرجل يؤتى به يهادى بين الرجلين he said in those days, nobody used to stay behind from the congregational prayer except a munafiq. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says, nobody used to stay behind from the congregational prayer except a munafiq. He said to the extent, a man would have two people either side of him, and he would be holding on to them on their shoulders and they would be helping him get to the mosque. He can't walk properly. Somebody couldn't walk properly. Get one man on this side, put his arm there. Another man put his arm on top and they help him get to the mosque. To that level they used to come to the mosque. Can't even walk. Needs two shoulders to hold on to and they're dragging him along. And they would bring him to the mosque. فَدَلَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَى اسْتِقْرَارُ وُجُوبِهَا عِنْدَ صَحَابَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى الله عليه وسلم. 
And this therefore indicates that it was known to them it is an obligation to pray in the jama'ah. روى الإمام أحمد وغيره مرفوعا الجفاء كل الجفاء والكفر والنفاق من سمع المنادي إلى الصلاة فلا يجيبه that it is a great shortcoming the maximum shortcoming and kufr and nifaq hypocrisy disbelief and hypocrisy that a person hears the mu'adhin making the adhan and doesn't go. Here's the mu'adhin making the adhan and doesn't go. That is the biggest like sin and shortcoming. Such a great shortcoming from you and kufr and nifaq. وَثَبَتَ فِي حَدِيثِ بِذَلِكِ يَدُ اللَّهِ Yad Allah ala al-jama'ah The hand of Allah is upon the congregation The hand of Allah is upon the congregation Again indicating to you the great virtue of that unity Coming together for the prayer And there are many narrations like this it carries on Many narrations Ibn Abbas su'il An rajulin yaqoomu al-layl wa yasoomu al-nahar Wa la yahdhuru al-jama'ah faqal huwa fi al-nar Ibn Abbas was asked about a person. He prays the night prayer. He fasts in the day. Does all of that worship. But he doesn't come and pray in jama'ah. He said, he's in the hellfire. To that level. حُكْمُ الْمُتَخَلِّفِ عَنْ صَلَاةِ الْجَمَاعَةِ وَمَا تَنْعَقِدُ بِهِ صَلَاةُ الْجَمَاعَةِ What is the ruling about somebody who doesn't come and pray in the mosque? In the jama'ah. حالتان الحالة الأولى أن يكون معذورا في تخلفه Maybe somebody has an excuse for missing The first scenario is That maybe you have an excuse for missing فهذا يكتب له نعم معذورا في تخلفه لمرض أو خوف وليس من عادته التخلف لولا العذر A person who doesn't normally miss but because of some reason he has no choice like illness or fear something prevents him normally though his routine is he comes and prays in the jama'ah but something happens like he gets ill or something and he can't make it so that's just the exception. He couldn't make it one day because of some reason. فَهَذَا يُكْتَبُ لَهُ أَجْرَ مَنْ صَلَّى فِي جَمَاعَةً لِمَا فِي الْحَدِيثِ الصَّحِيحِ إِذَا مَرِضَ الْعَبْدُ أَوْ سَافَرَ كُتِبَ لَهُ مَا كَانَ يَعْمَلُ صَحِيحًا مُقِيمًا That person will get the full reward anyway. Because in the hadith it says إِذَا مَرِضَ الْعَبْدُ إِذَا مَرِضَ الْعَبْدُ أَوْ سَافَرَ if a servant becomes ill or travels on a journey, then the full reward will be written for him just like if he was healthy and resident. How he normally does his worship, he'll get that full reward. فَمَنْ كَانَ عَازِمًا عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ مَعَ الْجَمَاعَةِ عَزْمًا جَازِمًا وَلَكِنْ حَالَ دُونَهُ وَدُونَ ذَلِكَ عُذْرٍ شَرْعِي كَانَ بِمَنْزِلَةِ مَنْ صَلَّ مَعَ الْجَمَاعَةِ نَظَرًا لِنِيَّتِهِ الطَّيِّبَةِ 
So somebody who had a firm, resolute intention, he decided he was definitely going to go to the jama'ah prayer, and that's what he does. But something happened, an Islamic reason stopped him from going like he became ill and he couldn't go then. Then that person is the same as the one who actually makes it, because of his pure intention to actually make it. Al-hala al-thaniya. So that's the first situation where somebody always goes, but some real reason stops them, then there's nothing upon them, they'll get the reward still. Al-hala al-thaniya. أَنْ يَكُونَ تَخَلُّفَهُ عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ مَعَ الْجَمَاعَ لِغَيْرِ عُذَرِ That he doesn't come to the congregational prayer and he doesn't even have a reason. He has no excuse to be missing. فَهَذَا إِذَا صَلَّ وَحْدَهُ So instead he ends up praying by himself at home. Is his prayer valid or not? Is his prayer okay or not if he prays by himself at home and doesn't come to the mosque even though he's got no excuse to miss? Ah, yeah, this is istikhara. You know, they used to say the students, you know, when you do hajj, you have to have tasrih. You have to have the document. Even in Medina, when we live in Medina, you can't go in hajj time. You have to get document. Even from Medina to go do hajj. You have to have document. We used to have the ID card, everything for Saudi. But you have to have document to go do Hajj. So uh, it was difficult to get the document. You couldn't always get it. Millions of people going, even if you're living in Medina, sometimes you can't get the document. So some people, they used to go without the document. Just go and maybe sneak in and try and get past the, the checkpoint without the document and do Hajj. And they used to say, لا بس, inshallah, yom arafa, astaghfirullah. And Arafah will, 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 will seek, will, will, will ask Allah to forgive us for going without the tasrih. <laughs> so, Al-Hala Athaniya, an yakuna takhalufuhu an salama al jama'a li ghayri udhar. So, a person who doesn't have any reason. Fahada idha salla wahdahu tasihu salatuhu inna al jumhur. The majority of the scholars they say his prayer is valid. Your prayer is valid. However, he will lose. A great amount of reward praying by himself. Because the congregational prayer is better than the single prayer by how many times? 27 times and some of them said 25 times. وَكَذَلِكَ And there's even more things you lose out on. What else do you lose out on? أجر الخطوات التي يخطوها إلى المسجد. Every time when you walk to the mosque, every step you take wipes out. Uh huh. But if you pray at home, then how many sins are going to get wiped out? Zero, because you didn't walk anywhere. You just stayed at home. No, you have to walk to the mosque to get the sins knocked off. If a person doesn't even come to the mosque and stays at home and prays, then you're not going to get any sins knocked off. So you lose out on all of that. Uh, and also on top of that, on top, يَأْثَمْ إِثْمًا عَظِيمًا لِأَنَّهُ تَرَكَ وَاجِبًا عَلَيْهِ مِنْ غَيْرِ عُذَرٍ وَارْتَكَبَ مُنْكَرًا يَجِبُ إِنْكَارُهُ عَلَيْهِ وَتَأْدِيبُهُ مِنْ قِبْلِ وَلِيِّ الْأَمَرِ حَتَّى يَرْجِعِ إِلَى رَشْدِهِ Also there is a sin upon that person. The one who doesn't come to the congregational prayer, there's a sin upon him. 
And the Shaykh says, the people in authority, like in the Muslim land where you have the Muslim ruler, the authorities should get those people who don't go to the mosque in congregation, ta'deebuhu, like you say in English, they need to sort them out. Grab those people and sort them out. That's the translation, but what's the proper translation? Ta'deebuhu, huh? What do they say? They need to be huh? This is up to the uh, Imam. Huh? That's it. This is ta'deebuhu. You have to tell them off. You have to sort them out. You have to put them in their place. The ones who don't pray. In the olden days in the University of Medina when Sheikh bin Baz was in charge. When Sheikh bin Baz was in charge, they say it was very strict. It was very strict. Anybody caught, he didn't go to the jama'ah, be big trouble. In the time when Sheikh bin Baz was in charge of al-Jam'i al-Islamiyya. They say it was very strict. Sometimes they say, Allah alam, this was before, a long time ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. They say even on the doors of the masjid, people will be checking. All the students, they are coming. Any student didn't come to the jama'ah? <laughs> ah, they were very strict. Very strict. So this is a big thing, coming to the masjid and praying in the congregation. Ayyuhal Muslim, wa makan salatil jama'ah wal masajid, li'idhar sha'ar al-islam, wa ma shara'at, imarat, ushuri'at imaratul masajid illa lidhalik, wa fi iqamatil jama'ah fi ghayriha ta'atilun laha. So this congregation, where should it be done? What if somebody says, okay, I'm going to pray in jama'ah in my home. Me and my friends, my neighbors, we do jama'ah in my house. But really the jama'ah is not like that. The jama'ah is in the mosques. And that is why it is legislated to build the masajid and to come and uh, populate the masajid. Mm. Mm. So, imagine now one day you come into the mosque late. And the Imam has already finished the prayer. The congregation jama'ah is finished. And two or three people, three or four people come in together late. What should they do? Imagine you walk in now, few of you late. Jama'ah finished, what are you going to do? Go over there and do jama'ah by yourself. Four or five people. Let's wait for the first part. So you're going to go do jama'ah. You agree? Everybody agree? Huh. But are you going to go do jama'ah or not? So what are you going to do? So everybody just pray by themselves. Anybody else? Okay, so this is a difference of opinion. Mm. Second jama'ah. So this is a difference of opinion. The second jama'ah. Some scholars they say if you come into the mosque and the jama'ah is finished, you do not have the right. 
to go and make another jama'ah. Some scholars have this opinion. Why? Because the haq of the jama'ah, to lead the jama'ah, the right to do that is only the right of the imam of the mosque. You come late now, you have no right to be the imam and do a jama'ah. Your own fault for being late. You don't have the right to make the jama'ah again. Some scholars, they say that. There is a narration. Some of the sahaba, they came late once and they didn't just go and make a jama'ah. They went home and prayed separate. They didn't make another jama'ah in the mosque because the jama'ah is the right of the imam only. Not your right when you come late and now you become the imam and make a jama'ah for people. So some scholars say you can't do it. Others, they say it is not a big deal. If you come late and you never intended that, you came late and there's a few of you, then obviously it makes sense, pray together in jama'ah, get the reward. So there's a difference of opinion about it. If you're going to get the same reward or not, then it is likely that you will not get the exact same reward as the actual jama'ah. You were late. You're not praying late, you've missed the actual jama'ah. You had to make a separate one now, but there is reward nevertheless. True as well, the reason behind your lateness, the reason behind it, some people are just lazy and they're always late, they get here right at the end of the prayer. Can't organize your time just to be 10 minutes quicker, set off 10 minutes earlier. Then, uh, upon the opinion of the ones who say you can do the jama'ah. Oh, by yourself, by yourself. Yeah, again, that now depends on why you were late in the first place. Ah. Then it's okay. Then even on the first opinion, because they say it's the haqq of the imam. The imam says, khalas, you guys can go do a jama'ah, then inshallah it's no problem. He's give the permission for them. Yeah, if you come late, imagine uh, one person comes late and he sees another person praying. So you want to join him to make jama'ah, two of you now. Is it allowed or not? You know, normally people, when they come in, they do this. Huh? And then they want to join you in jama'ah. Is it allowed or not? Is it allowed? Yes. Like imagine you're praying. You're praying in the mosque now, the jama'ah is finished. You're praying. Imagine you had, you were late. So after they finish, you have to get up to finish your last rak'ah. Then Ali walks in. And he thinks, mashallah, he was late as well, now I'm a bit late as well. He comes to you and does this to your shoulder. Do you know why they do this to your shoulder? To tell you that he's going to pray in the jama'ah with you now. He's praying in the jama'ah with you. So is that allowed? Yes? Do this? So, it's allowed. That is allowed. It is allowed. You can come and if somebody is praying, you can join them and make the jama'ah. It is allowed. But there's a problem. When this person was praying first, when he was praying by himself, he was praying biniyatil munfari. Now that man came and joined him, his niyyah. Now he is the imam. Is this allowed? This 
change of niyyah from munfarid to imam. You started by niyyat al-munfarid, now you are niyyat al-imam. Is this allowed? It is allowed. It is allowed. What about the opposite? Imagine. Imagine. One person is praying here. So Ali comes and he's praying. He's praying. Then Ayyub and everybody else, three or four people come and they don't realize he's praying. They don't realize he's there praying. So they come next to him and start making a jama'ah. Few of them next to him start making a jama'ah. Is he allowed now? Is he allowed to move and join in with the jama'ah? He's allowed. He's allowed. You can just come and join the jama'ah. So that's allowed. Like that, I don't know. Because he started in one jama'ah, now changing to another jama'ah, I don't know about that. But if you were just in the by yourself and a jama'ah started, you could join. Imagine you came late, jama'ah finished, you came late by yourself, start praying. Then three guys come late. And they don't realize that you were late as well. So they just start making their jama'ah. You realize what's happening. They're starting their jama'ah now. They're late as well. You can just move across and join them. Normally, people will see and they'll tap you and stand behind you. You become the imam. But maybe they won't realize and they just make their jama'ah. So you go and join them. It's allowed. Hmm. Jum'ah prayer, you pray it loud. And but Dhuhr prayer, normally it's quiet. Jum'ah? Jum'ah, you have to do it loud. It's impossible to do it quiet. The khutbah, you do it loud, and the prayer, you do it loud. That is how the Jum'ah prayer is done. Loud. There are certain prayers which are out loud prayers, and certain prayers that are quiet prayers. But back to the point we were talking about, another issue. Imagine now, you come and pray in the jama'ah behind the imam. Then afterwards you go home, for example, and your family's been somewhere, they come back and they say, we need to pray yet, we haven't prayed. You lead the prayer for us, you know the Quran, everything. You lead the prayer for Isha. You've already been to the mosque and prayed Isha. So can you lead the prayer for them or not? You will be praying Nafal. They are praying Fard. This is allowed. The Imam is praying Nafal and the people are praying Fard. It is allowed. It is allowed. One last thing. Is it allowed to change the niyyah, the intention in the middle of the prayer? So for example, you come to the mosque and your intention is Masjid. In the middle of the prayer, you think to yourself, no, actually, wait. Let me do this ratibatul dhuhr. It's dhuhr time, you came in, you do tahiyatul masjid intention. But then you think, but wait, there's only a few minutes left for the jama'ah. Let me change the intention, this ratibatul dhuhr. The sunnah of dhuhr, allowed or not? Wait, wait, though, is it allowed this one? Mm. Allowed? Mm-hmm. Changing the intention from Tahrir al Masjid 
to the ratiba to the zuhr. He told you yes. But this big man is majhul. Who is he? But if you ask people who you don't know, then it doesn't count. You know that. It doesn't count. You have to know who you asked. Because Ibn Sirin said, Inna hadha al-ilm, deen. Fanzuru amman ta'khuduna deenakum. This knowledge, it is religion. You have to know who you are taking the religion from. So is it allowed or not? The answer is... No. It is not allowed. You cannot change from uh, a nafal which is mutlaq to something which is muqayyad. Ratibatul dhuhr is a specific sunnah prayer. Tahitul masjid or any other type of nafal prayer is just an open nafal prayer. You cannot change an intention from an open nafal prayer to a very specific one. You can't do it. The other way around, you can. If you were praying, for example, Dhuhr, you're traveling somewhere, and you start praying Dhuhr. Then you think to yourself, actually, wait, my my friends are going to come in 10 minutes. I pray Dhuhr in Jama'ah with them. So this prayer, I'll just make it like uh, the the, the the, uh, Nafal, just general Nafal. Can you change, can you downgrade your intention from fard to open nafal? That you can do. So you can downgrade, but you can't upgrade. If you're praying nafal, you can't upgrade your intention. Like imagine you start praying tahayt al-masjid, or, or you're at home, you start praying the sunnah of dhuhr. Then you realize, wait, I got an appointment. And then you think, okay, let me change my intention, let me just make this dhuhr prayer. You can't do that. You started it as sunnah. You can't change the intention to obligatory in the middle. So going up in intention can't be done. Going down can be done. Unless it is down from the obligatory to the specific sunnah, even that can't be done. So only to the open sunnah. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. If you come to the mosque, and you make the, int- like Fajr time. You come at Fajr, and, the, and you're going to pray the Sunnah of Fajr. You make the Sunnah of Fajr. This includes the intention for Tahitul Masjid. Any prayer you pray when you come, it includes Tahitul Masjid. That's no problem. Mm. Take your file and rip it up, and that's it. Phone number away, everything. Mushkila. Uh-huh. And take your house away and take everything in, in the street. <laughs> your masail. <laughs> your masail. Then your mujalladat. I'm a tawalat. This is mukhtasar. Can you break it? And I break it and then bring me up 
breaking it, you know, it's a difference amongst the scholars. Some of them, you know, they say it's allowed. If it's sunnah and these things, it's allowed. But others, they say, once you begin a prayer, it's not really allowed for you to just break it without reason. But there you could say this is reason. Because otherwise, if there's no other way to pray, you have no other option to pray. This was the only time you're going to pray. Time is running out, for example, indefinitely. Then there's no choice. Is it allowed for radiologist to do a scan on you if he is a male? You should ask for a female. Ask them when you make your appointment. I would like to make my appointment on a day when I can have a female radiologist. Try to do your best for that. If it is absolutely not possible. And they say, look, there's a medical problem here. We need to get these exams now. We need to do this. We, there's a big problem to your health. And there's no woman. There's no other option. Then it's allowed. For medical reasons, then what can you do? Take your mahram with you. And the, he'll do the buttons, whatever. No problem. What, what can you do? Then it's allowed. If there's a necessity, medical situation, it's allowed. But if there isn't, and you have an option, ask them. Say, book my appointment on a day when I can have it with a female radiologist. But if you are in necessity, medical problems, the doctor says you need to get that scan tomorrow. We need the results. We need to do this, the medication, etc. Otherwise, there could be problems to your health, X, Y, and Z. Then you just got to do it. Take your mahram and do it. Men have to have a man. And women have to have a woman. Go on. A female radiologist. What's a radiologist? Okay, okay, you know, you know. I tried to call you a bluff, but you know. So the radiologist, you, a man needs to have a man and a woman needs to have a woman because it is not allowed for the man and the woman to mix who don't know each other, who is not mahram to one another. You have a question? You had one before? Um, yeah. Last one. Last one. Go on. Mm. Yeah. Okay, you get up and finish yours. Once he gives the salam, you get up and finish your prayer. That's it. Mm. Okay, one minute here. Yeah, when it's when it's rain, the scholars they define it normally. If you see in the books of fit, they say a rain of a level whereby it would wetten your clothes. But you know, very light rain you get sometimes, you can walk a mile and there's hardly any. You walk into the mosque, 10 seconds later, it's dry again. That kind of one they don't say. Most of them they don't say. Some of them say yes, even that one. But many of them say it's got to be rain to a level where if you walk in it, you walk, come into the mosque and all this is wet here. And it's wet. If it's like that kind of rain, then you're allowed to pray at home. Not necessarily. Because these rules are applicable regardless. So not necessarily. If you want to come, you have the, uh, the car and you can come, no problem, you can come.
But it's not necessarily an obligation now just because you've got a car. Combining same rule, they say. That same is what some scholars say. If it is a level of rain that causes mud on the floor and causes your clothes to become wet, then you can combine. Otherwise, you know, I mean, some of them say any, but most of them say that. It's got to be rain to a level whereby the floor becomes muddy. Sometimes it rains light rain, the floor is not really muddy and you know, slush. It's not like that. But sometimes it rains and rains, it becomes muddy on the floor. And your clothes become wet here everywhere. That type of rain, they say, combine it. But very light rain, they say, no, not really. Huh? Thunder. Thunder, it's okay, don't worry. You can come to the masjid, inshallah. You won't get struck by lightning.